And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Robert Knight. He writes for the Washington Times. And Robert, it's great to have you back with us again. Oh, it always goes so fast, Dan. Thanks for uh, calling me up again. (laughs) You know, I saw something you wrote um, the other day. The title was The Lure of Plunder. The Lure of Plunder. And uh, that's an interesting title. I got reading it, and wow, did this article resonate with me. Um, So to get us started, one of the first things you mentioned was at one point, some of our friends on the left, quote-unquote friends, were proposing that basically the IRS look into any transaction of $600 or more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this was met with incredulity uh, from the public, the idea that the IRS would track all transactions of $600 or more, and that would be either withdrawals or deposits. In other words, anybody who uses a bank account, it's not a lot of money. So they they took a beating. So they said, oh, oh, well, we meant 10,000 in yearly transactions in or out. And of course, that's still absurd. I mean, anybody who... uh, Anybody who has a bank account and pays bills out of it, you're going to hit that uh, very quickly. So what what really struck me was the Washington Post defending the, uh, this idea. Really? And they said uh, in an editorial, uh, these amendments, in other words, raising it to 10000 from 600 underscore that the plan is not meant to target ordinary workers. <laughs> well, who do they think has bank accounts that operate with around 10000 or uh, or even less. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, well, it's absurd. Now, this is over the course of a whole year, I assume. A whole year, yeah. If you pay your electric bill or your mortgage or anything, I mean, of course oh, yeah. you're going to deal with more than 10000 So uh, the Post was saying, don't worry, the Democrats are just going after billionaires. Uh, they're taking a page from Bernie Sanders and his Marxist yes. redistribution rhetoric and saying, no, we're just uh, we're just going to tax billionaires. That never happens. It's really to pave the way for a tax of the middle class because that's where the real money is. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's not that many billionaires around. And you know what? As a Christian, I say, God bless them. You know, I, I love it when there's a few um, people around or many people even that are wealthy because that actually helps our economy. We should be happy for that. Yeah, and most of them got there because they provided a service that's vital. I yeah, mean, exactly. Look at Jeff Bezos. Uh, I We disagree with him politically. He's oh, a sure. man of the left. Why he is uh, is beyond me, given that he made full use of our capitalistic market <laughs> system to create Amazon and become the richest man in the world. Uh, this is so often the case. Once people get up into the stratosphere, they suddenly forget how they got there and yes. start pushing socialism. And that, that's what he's been doing, which is just uh, horrendous. However, I don't begrudge him making money from a service that everybody likes. That's right. Yeah, the same with uh, these other billionaires. Bill Gates, I mean, Microsoft uh, has benefited hundreds of millions of people all over the earth. Uh, so the problem isn't that some people are, are rich and others aren't. The problem is that the uh, people on the left are determined to use the power of the state to create a false equality, which never happens. They end up uh, confiscating everyday working people's income. They level dictatorial mandates on the public. 
Oh, well, the their, their friends who are the billionaires are protected by an army of attorneys, tax attorneys, yes. and whatever. So you have the few lording it over the many uh, in the name of equality. It, it's all a false proposition. Yes. And I'm, I'm hoping people aren't buying into it. And we'll see very much in Virginia, where there's an election this week, what will happen. Because uh, people on the left have been pushing their redistributionist agenda and their transgender agenda and their climate oh, yeah. poppycock and their COVID mandates and and the school mandates on kids. And the public doesn't like it. No. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if a revolution begins in Virginia this week. You know, I was thinking about this discussion we were going to have today, and um, a scripture passage came to my mind, and it's from the book of 1 Samuel, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, chapter 8, where the people are complaining to Samuel and say, we want a king, we want a king like the other nations, and um, Samuel, through God's allowance, gives in to them, but he warns them. He says, you know, you, you want a king. Well, I want to tell you, here's what you're going to get. He will take your sons, he'll appoint them for himself, for his chariots, to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots, and he'll appoint him captains over thousands, captains over fifties, and so the list goes. He'll take your daughters to be confectionaries, to be cooks, bakers. He'll take your fields, your vineyards, your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to be his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and his servants. And it just goes on and on. He will take your your men servants and maid servants, your goodliest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. It's just that feeding large government extracts a terrible price from the people. And this is what came to my mind today as I realized we're going to be talking about this and we're going to be talking about taxes. And um, you even had some comments about taxation, particularly if we want to honor the Lord. Let's say uh, there's massive revival and reformation in the land our taxes would look different than what they currently do now. Well, they would because, as John Adams said, uh, our republic is created for a moral people. It will work for no other. Mm. Meaning that if the people uh, have a moral sense uh, that comes from uh, belief in uh, Jesus and God, we won't need a huge army of law enforcers. We won't need hundreds of regulations because people will operate honestly. Uh, And what we're seeing now is as people have lost their faith and turned to secular gods, uh, we need more prisons, more rules, more government programs to pick up the pieces of shattered families, to fight crime, I mean, on and on. Uh, Societies that don't honor God and produce responsible, productive, self-governing citizens have to be governed from above. Uh, I, I forget who said it. It's uh, that if you don't chain your emotions and discipline yourself, you will find yourself chained from above. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's it. Our government just keeps intruding more and more into everyday life. 
And the thing is, it doesn't help. It hurts. It, it makes people more <laughs> dependent on government, so they're less able to be productive and self-governing. Yes. It's a vicious cycle that the, the left in this country, they are Marxist at, at their core now, and they're all about redistributing income. They're for vilifying parents. They're for vilifying people who think differently from them. And this manifests itself at school board meetings and lots of other places. And I'm hoping people are waking up and seeing the difference, that we're in a war for the soul of our country. And one side is saying, no, the state is your god. And, and by the way, the state owns your children. The other side is saying, no, it isn't. Uh, Caesar only gets a portion of our income. That's all he gets. He doesn't get soul craft. No. He doesn't get to dictate our moral values and trample on them. Yeah, so true. Uh, years ago, um, in my family, we're, we always tend to be more, more conservative-leaning, um, our, our children certainly, and, and my wife and me, and, and her parents, and my parents. Um, years ago, my mother's dad, my grandpa, on my mother's side, was actually a, a Democrat. He ran for, you know, just some low-level office, but he would roll over in his grave if he saw what's going on today in the party that he was a part of, because uh, he was a very hard-working man. He wasn't looking for a handout, and it, I think the the party has moved out from under a lot of these folks, and and uh, we really got to look at the issues. Um, what really counts uh, are the policies that a person puts forward. Um, let's just say that, Bob, you, you're working in government. You don't. You're, you're a journalist. But let's say you're working in government and you're pushing for a rewriting of the tax code. I, I got a hunch that you have kind of a radical view. And actually, I share it because that, that's what attracted me to your article um, what would honor God in terms of tax rates? Well, God has made it very clear in his word that uh, we're to tithe our income at a minimum of 10%. Uh, we, you know, if we have the means and, and God directs, we should give more than that. But the government, to, in my estimation, shouldn't uh, tax us beyond what even the Lord asks of us. Yes. And, and the government, of course, is asking for huge tax increases, and right now taxes us to an extent that makes us uh, serfs, if, yes. if you want to use the term. Um, and, and if you want some definitions, a serf is someone who's pretty much owned by his master. Uh, in the feudal days, it'd be the lord of the manor, and these days it's the government. And if mm -hmm. they can tax you at 50% with all taxes combined, federal, state, county, gasoline, phone taxes, you name it, they're everywhere. Uh, then they own half of you, and that, that's a serf's uh, lot. If they uh, take all of your income, which they'd like to do, I, I believe that at this point, you're a slave. Yes. best definition of slavery is that someone else owns all the fruits of your labor, every bit of it, mm -hmm. and then gives some back to you just to keep you working. Uh, that's the feeling <laughs> I'm getting as a U.S. taxpayer now. Uh, I do, too. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. Some people might say, well, you're you're out of your mind. How could you possibly propose a 9% tax overall, considering all the extra uh, taxes? And yet, um, I think you would see an economy that absolutely flourished 
if we uh, got down to those type of levels and we put God first. And that's the that's the key part of the equation is putting God first so that there's no other gods except Jehovah God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, and wh- I think it was very revealing when the Democrats kicked God out of their party platform a few years ago. I forgot and- about that. Yeah, and they booed the mention of God uh, when mm-hmm. somebody brought up an amendment to return it to the platform, acknowledgement of God. Uh, uh, and then and then they, they if you look at the party platforms, uh, they're like night and day. Uh, the Democratic Party platform yeah. is all about the sexual revolution, paying for abortions. Yes. Uh, I mean, you name it, it's against the word of God openly. Yeah. And, when I talk to Democratic friends, they go, oh, well, that's just a platform. I mean, we're just looking out for the poor, and we're trying to make things more equal. And I'm thinking, then how? why have cities plunged into high crime and yes. and murder and everything else since Democratic policies had been running them for the last few decades? Well, it's because what these policies do is go against the Lord's admonition to uh, work for one's own. Uh, and that's a very natural thing to want to provide for your family. But if you set up a system where it's, there's a penalty if you get married, and by the way, the latest tax scheme that the Democrats are proposing in their huge multi-trillion dollar overhaul of our economy, uh, eliminate work requirements for welfare. Oh, dear. Uh, that put a lot of people back to work uh, wow. when they were passed in 1996. Uh, the welfare war- rules were reduced. Uh, more people felt pride in what they did. Sure, uh, but these—they uh, have uh, these huge child tax credits, uh, which will actually hook more middle-class people into dependency on the government, and that's the intent of it. Pull everybody in so they're all dependent on government. Then they won't criticize. Then they won't talk back <laughs> to their government because they all have a piece of it. Yes. Well, today we're talking with uh, Robert Knight, and he writes for the Washington Times. Um, before I forget, Robert, if someone wants to sign up for your emails, how would they go about doing that? Well, there are two ways they can send me an email directly to my personal email. It's robertknight4, that's the numeral 4, at gmail.com, robertknight4 at gmail.com. Or they can go to my website, which is roberthknight.com. I hope they don't confuse the two, but it's <laughs> the website has a bookstore. I've written ten books, and they can order books, and I've heavily discounted them. So if people want to order books, uh, that'd be great. That's neat. Human interest wise, uh, how did you ever get involved in this life's work of yours? Well, I, as a child, even I published my own newspaper in my, my neighborhood. Really. Yeah, I talked about how the neighbors chose the paint for their house, and, <laughs> and I had one about a bike accident. Uh, um, pretty, and I used to go around uh, asking for two cents a subscription, and I'd put the paper out once a week. and And my mother sent me to a creative writing class, uh, and uh, you know, I just always liked the idea of writing. Uh, but I was always interested in politics too, so I yeah. took political science in college and in grad school. Uh, I was going to become an attorney. I wanted to run for office. And then I went on a poor man's trip to Europe with my brother. And we, as we went around various European countries uh, by train with a Eurail pass, I read 
A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway. And it's a story of uh, expatriates living in Paris and London. And uh, and I I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm enjoying this immensely. Maybe I want to become a writer, not a lawyer. <laughs> so I went back home. And instead of going to law school, which I'd gotten into, uh, I finished my master's degree in political science instead and then took journalism courses and I took my degree in hand and immediately started a journalism career at a little weekly newspaper in Ocean City, Maryland. Neat. Uh, and then went to Annapolis, the Capital Gazette, and then all the way down to Florida. I ended up at the Florida News and Sun Sentinel and then out to the uh, Los Angeles Times, where I was an editor for seven years. Um, then I went into think tanks after that. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I started seeing the effects of uh, relativism. And I wanted to write about it, moral relativism mm -hmm. and cultural relativism, the idea that there's no truth, yeah. everything's subjective. So I ended up writing a book about it, The Age of Consent, which I researched at the Hoover Institution. Mm. But I had to make a living, so and I didn't want to go back in journalism, so I went to the Heritage Foundation and then Family Research Council, Concerned Women for America, Media Research Center, kind of a tour of D.C.'s think tanks wow. that are pro-family, pro-liberty. Pro and now I'm an independent uh, writer. I write for the Washington Times. I write for uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson uh, of Stand. Uh, he's a great American. Mm. Uh, he's the left's worst nightmare because he's an articulate, <laughs> black, ex-Marine with a law degree from Harvard. <laughs> Nobody intimidates Bishop Jackson. He That's is, funny. He's amazing. Uh, and I also write for the Timothy Plan, which is the Christian pioneer of biblically responsible investing and that's the idea that you shouldn't put your dollars into companies that are going against god's uh rules for living yes and timothy plan started in 1994 and, and it's almost up to two billion dollars in assets managed which means as art alley the founder said we've taken two billion out of the hands of the world to do harm <laughs> with it we only support companies that uh don't violate our screens uh, yes. that test for biblical values. I think it's a great, great company. And it's a great goal. And and when we have these kind of high and lofty goals, we shouldn't get discouraged if we can't perfectly implement them. You know, just moving in the right direction is is good. And incremental change in the right direction, to me, is a good thing. It is. Um, I, I'm not a perfectionist. I may have started out that way, but I'm not a perfectionist because we are such flawed individuals. Now, there is a perfectionist tendency among the left regarding Marxism. Um, it seems that the messaging to us, anyway, to me, is that if you just do a really good job at implementing socialism, everything will be fine. All the other experiments, they just, did, they just didn't do it right. But trust us, we're going to do it right. Any comments on that? Yeah, they've been telling us that for years. They, <laughs> they've even told us communism has never been tried. And, of course, it has yes. to disastrous results. 100 million dead or more. Yeah. Uh, destruction of whole economies. Um now, I think the, the classic example today is Venezuela, one of the richest countries in South America at one time. It's sitting on the largest 
uh, reserve of oil in the world, even more than Saudi Arabia. And yet they're a basket case economically since Hugo Chavez, the socialist, took over a couple decades ago. And now he's he was followed by Maduro. He's the dictator of Venezuela. Mm -hmm. And they've shut down the free press. They've strangled the free markets. Uh, They've destroyed the prosperity of Venezuela. And they want to export that to the rest of South America. But if you ask an American liberal, like, you know, uh, you know, that socialism's track record is one of misery, tyranny, destruction. Why would you embrace it? They say, oh, well, look at Sweden. Look at Denmark. Look at the Scandinavian nations. They're socialist and uh, they're thriving. Uh, That that would be news to those nations. Sweden was going socialist and they started destroying their economy. And so they backed off. Uh, more than a decade ago when they said, <laughs> no, we're a market economy. And that's what's made them rich and, and prosperous. Yes. Uh, you know, Volvo and uh, Ikea yep. and all that. that. That's capitalism. Yeah, they do have a big safety net, a big welfare system. And right. I think it's too big. I think it competes with the church oh, sure. for care of souls. And so I think they still have work to restore liberty in those countries, but they're not socialist by any means. Yeah. Now, uh, you touched upon something, maybe without even intending to here, and that is um, the work of the church and how that that reaches out into society. And so um, some of us are engineers, others are broadcasters, some are writers, and all of this can be a holy work when it's done to glorify God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the great head and king of the church. And so that's that's just as much a holy work as the pastor who is called to be a pastor or the missionary called to be a missionary. Um, God is not limited to the four walls of the church. And so uh, there's real meaning in our work, the things we do every day, day in and day out, and it's and all the jobs, including pastoring, are very hard. But um, all of them can be brought under the lordship of Christ and glorify Him. And uh, I just had to put that in there. <laughs> oh yeah, well you know we're supposed to do everything uh, and give glory to God through our work, uh, yeah. whether you're a custodian. I mean, you can work in a hardware store. Whatever you're doing, people are watching you. And if you have a Christian way about you, it's uh, attractive. Yes. <laughs> people say, I want what he's got or she's got, because they seem to be joyful. Uh, they don't complain like other people. They don't swear. And, you know, they're different. They're, they're set apart. And that's that, that's what we're supposed to be, set apart. The other day, I I went to to vote, you know, at the the recent election, which was just lower positions that we were voting for in our town, and one of the men walked in, and he was upset over the fact that the line was long, and the first thing out of his mouth was to curse Christ in public, and yeah. and and I'm thinking, wow, that's um that's very harsh to curse the name of Christ because you're going to have to wait a few extra minutes in a long line. And um, our our hearts are very important. And out of the uh, abundance in the heart, the, the mouth speaks, and uh, it tells us who we really are. Well, today we've been talking with Robert Knight, and he writes for the Washington Times. He shared with us some of his background. And Robert, one more time, if someone wants to check you out online, maybe order a book, how can they go about doing that? 
they can go to my website, roberthknight.com. There's an H in the middle there, roberthknight.com. Or they can email me directly at robertknight4 at gmail.com. That's robertknight4 with a numeral 4 at gmail.com. People who have listened to your program before, Dan, have emailed me directly, and I've added them to my email list, in which I send out my column every Monday morning early that runs in the Washington Times that day. I, I really like your column, by the way. And well, thank you. I, I, I didn't even realize that. So uh, one more time, say your email address in case somebody wants to get on your mailing list. Okay, robertknight4 at gmail.com. You don't have to compose a long letter. In fact, a lot of people just put, sign me up in the subject line. That's all they need to do. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And um, Robert Knight is spelled with a K in there. Robert Knight, if you want to pronounce it, you <laughs> right. know, with it, so you, so you remember it. But it's Robert Knight4 at gmail.com. Well, thank you very much for spending this much time with our listeners today. Robert Knight, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you and bless your work going forward. Same for you, Dan. It's really important what you're doing, getting the word out over the airwaves. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 